Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. This week, I have a question about mothers and daughters and the moon in the 12th house. And the question reads, my moon is in the 12th house and my daughter's moon is also in the 12th house. I'm interested in knowing how to nurture her as I've read that this placement speaks to contentious relationships between mothers and their children. This has triggered panic in me as I don't want my daughter to feel about me the way that I feel about my mother. I know I can't control that, but I'd like to know what I can do to help us have a strong bond and make sure that she feels cared for and like she has the space to be herself. I should also say that her father and I are not together. I experience much of his behavior as emotionally abusive, and I'm working on healing myself and creating strong boundaries. I know her dad is her dad. I can't change that. I want them to have a relationship, and I'm hoping that I can be an example of emotional health and healing to balance out the emotional influences in her life. Is there anything in her chart that points to ways that I can be the best possible mom to her? I absolutely love this question. I'm so happy that you wrote it. For you astrology students, we have mom's birthday, May 1st of 79 at 12, 12 p.m. in Seattle, Washington. And daughter's birth date is November 19th, 2017 at 10.04 a.m. in Portland, Oregon. So let me start off with speaking to what you've read about the 12th house and moon in the 12th house. My view as an astrologer is that the 12th house is the most misunderstood house in astrology. It is the placement that for me is actually my greatest passion. I'm really obsessed with 12th house planets. The reason for this is because it is complicated, because it is misunderstood, but also because where we have planets in the 12th house, what we also have is the opportunity to understand ancestral trauma and ancestral issues. What you've read that we have bad relationships between mother and child with the 12th house moon is based on a couple of things. One is based on the idea that the moon relates to the mother, which is not necessarily true. When we think about the role of mother and the role of father, these are gender roles, right? Woman is mother, man is father. From my perspective as a person in the world with the values that I have, but also as an astrologer, a working astrologer, the parent that is represented by the moon is not always the mom. The parent represented by, you know, whether we're looking at Saturn or whatever else you're reading that's telling you it's like, this is the dad planet. It's, it's not always the dad. Mom and dad, in my view, they're roles. They're kind of like, think of them almost as jobs, right? And they are not necessarily played by only one parent or by a binary male or binary female parent. And I personally, in my practice, am often looking at the role of mother and the role of father as exactly that, as roles, as opposed to gender demarkers. The first problem with kind of this interpretation is mom has a hard time with children. That is the assumption that moon is mom. So you may actually be represented in your child's chart as moon. And your mom may represent in your chart as moon, but that is not like an empirical truth from my perspective. So let me start with that. The other thing I want to name is that the 12th house is a complicated place in astrology. It's kind of like your subconscious and it's the stuff that gets kind of repressed. When we have planets in the 12th house, 
they generally indicate issues that our parents or guardians, the people who raised us or the people who conceived us, what they were repressing anywhere a year before we were born until about seven years old. There's a lot to get into in regards to your question, specifically in your and your daughter's chart. But when we have 12th house planets, we want to understand not that we're locked into contentious relationships or problems, but instead to understand that the parent is not conscious, not self-aware, not actualized around the energies and issues of the planet in the child's chart. This is where astrology gets, in some ways, I think more exciting and more fascinating, in other words, harder to follow. Because what is time? (laughs) Bear with me as I go here for a moment. What is time, my friends? I am a Capricorn. I love time. I'm obsessed with time. I'm an astrologer. Time is my jam. However, time is also an illusion. When I am looking at your birth chart, I can see what was going on in your family, so your family of origin, anywhere from a year before your birth until you were about seven years old. That's locked into your chart. Now I'm saying you, you adult who is listening to me right now, but let's say you had a baby. I could see the next seven years of your life through your child's chart. What? Isn't that crazy? I think it's kind of exciting and crazy because what it means is that some things are predestined. And within our predestiny, we always have free will. There is a way that I look at your birth chart and I see your free will. And then I look at your child's birth chart and I see what you're going to do. I see what's going to happen. So within that predestiny, you have free will that you can apply to make the best or the worst of it. This is something that some people get freaked out by. I personally find really exciting and empowering because you have a certain set of conditions. You have a certain set of dynamics and conditions and certain components to your nature that are just kind of like inalienably yours at this moment. But within that, you have freedom. And within that, within those parameters, it's kind of like you don't need to drive yourself to distraction trying to figure out what am I supposed to work on? The chart tells you what you're supposed to work on. So all of this to say, being a parent is not for the faint of heart. Being a parent is not for the faint of heart, not just because it is such a life-consuming, heart-wrenching job, but also because you inevitably are going to pass down some bullshit to your child. That's the job description, my friends. For those of us who don't have kids, we talk about that, and that's an easy thing to say. But when you're actually in love with your child and you're confronted with the reality of that, especially when you're looking kind of at a birth chart for a little kid, as opposed to like, let's say having a 12 year old who's like, you screwed up my life. And then you get defensive, right? But when you have a sweet little child and you want nothing but the best for them, and then you look at the chart and you're like, oh my God, there's a bad thing. It gets really painful. But how you respond to that pain is your chart. And the better job you do embodying your chart with love and kindness and empathy and patience and integrity, the better your child's life is for sure trust for sure. So I hope that makes sense. I hope that's not too esoteric for you. I'm going to unpack the charts right now, but I want to add one more thing. The thing you've read about, you know, mom's relationship to child is a problem is, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know where you read it. I don't, I don't know the astrologer who wrote it, but it's problematic because it places the burden of emotional nurturance and care upon you, the mother, as opposed to him, the father, your ex. and that. That is weird to me. I mean, it's like an old patriarchal holdover idea that, you know, women parent and men babysit. 
to imagine that your child's moon is your fault, your responsibility alone is wrong. It's wrong thinking. Your child's father is going to be reflected in your child's chart inevitably. And if you end up partnering with somebody else, that person may or may not show up in your child's chart as well. The fact that you have your moon in the 12th house and your daughter has her moon in the 12th house is very important because what it does is it points to your relationship habits and patterns are reiterated for your daughter in some meaningful way. In part, this is about the man that you chose to have a child with, right? All this means is that she's your daughter. She's your child. She has come here to work out issues that are related to her matrilineage. So instead of having judgments or fear around it, just be like, yeah, that's that's my baby. <laughs> and she is going to deal with the same spiritual lessons and behavioral lessons that I have to deal with. So I want to start with your chart, mom. In your birth chart, you have something called a T-square, where your Venus, Mercury, Mars conjunction in Aries is opposite to Pluto and forms a T-square to your moon in the 12th. And so your relationship to, I would imagine, not just your mother, but both of your parents is quite difficult and has been a source of pain and also inspiration for you in a lot of ways. And the kind of restriction and punishment theme that this T-square indicates is reiterated in other parts of your chart. I want to be really clear that that is your chart and that even though your child has moon in the 12th house, she doesn't have that. So you are not your mom. You are not going to recreate the same conditions and problems that your mom did. It looks like your mom was quite restrictive and punishing. And you are not going to be that way because that's not really how you are with the people you love, which is in part why you ended up with somebody like your ex who can be that way. Now, when I look at your daughter's chart, I see a risk because she has a Neptune square to the moon and Mercury. I see a risk that you will indulge her and not have strong, firm, and consistent boundaries with her because you don't want to be mean. And this is something that you really need to work on because the risk is it will give her more fear than it will empower her to have good boundaries. So what most of us do, especially those of us with a trauma history, is when we want to heal from trauma in our past, what we do is we overcompensate for it when we're parenting. The thing that's especially complicated about this is you have in your birth chart a Saturn conjunction to the North Node. And what this means is it is your soul's work to figure out what your lifestyle is that you need to adopt that really works for you. What is your day-to-day activities that you need to adopt to figure out how to be true to yourself and the people and things that you deeply care about? And that is exactly what your daughter needs of you. That is exactly what she needs of you. She needs you to manage your anxiety by living in self-appropriate ways. She needs to know what the boundaries are of what's acceptable and what isn't. And she needs you to take care of you because the indication of her 12th house moon squared by Neptune is that you really struggle with anxiety and with not knowing your place, with not knowing what's too much and what's not enough. Now she has a Mars-Pluto square. And so it does look like there is a destructive and maybe violent person or energy in her early developmental life. And that she sees that there's really two ways of being. You can either be scary 
or you can kind of subvert your will. This is something that I encourage you to really work on, finding ways of expressing and validating your will. Because encouraging your child to do that while you yourself are not doing that doesn't usually work, right? Now, the fact that she has Moon, Mercury, and Saturn all in the 12th house indicates that you are struggling with finding your voice and struggling with, you know, that Saturn dynamic of I get to run my life in the way that I think is appropriate. I get to assert myself in the ways that I know to be right for me. I get to speak my mind. I get to have my feelings. I get to be messy. I get to tidy it up when I'm ready, how I'm ready. All of that stuff is stuff that you need to work on to help bring all of those planets into a place of self-ownership so she can be self-referential. And that's the thing to support her on. How can she be self-referential? How can she know the difference between I think I should and I want this? How can she find her own emotions, her own mind? How can she find her will in a way that feels healthy and self-appropriate? Now, this is really hard work for you, right? This This is why you sent me the question, because you deeply love your child and you deeply want to care for her. And the things that she needs from you are some of the more difficult things in your life. The good news of this is, man, are you motivated. Man, are you motivated. You are so motivated to be a loving parent. You are so motivated to heal childhood trauma. You are so motivated to not go back to where you've been. And you have it within your nature to change and to change in deep and meaningful ways. You have it within your nature to do the work. But the key here is you have to leave room to not be perfect. You have to leave room to be in a process with it. You have to leave room for your daughter to have her own pain and to make her own mistakes. I'm not in any way encouraging you to not protect her from adult danger, right? Or any kind of dangers from adults or, you know, around her safety in general. But she's going to have her own emotions. And it looks like when she feels emotional, it just overwhelms her. It it, it overtakes her. And if you can allow space for her to be in this deep well of emotion that is her nature, And to start to give her tools for understanding that A, that's okay, and B, this is how I self-soothe, and C, then I figure out what I need to ask for. What do I need in this moment? If you can kind of give her those tools, she's going to be amazing. She's going to be great. I mean, this is an intuitive, intelligent, caring, dynamic weirdo you've got here. And I mean weirdo as a great compliment. She's she's an odd bird and she's going to just be so dynamic. Your job is only to give her tools of self-care. That's all you can do. And you can't change your ancestral trauma patterns. Like that's just not really, you know, what are the things you get to do for her, but you can empower her by changing your relationship to those patterns, by changing your relationship to how you show up in your life for you with others, in particular with men. That doesn't mean being perfect. That doesn't mean hiding from the pain or hiding from the trouble. It means finding your voice, validating that you have a right to have a voice and exercising it. And when you fuck up, which you will because you're a person, when you make mistakes, when you falter, when you fail, being like, wow, mom faltered. This is what I learned from it. This feels bad. I don't like making mistakes. Model for her the resiliency that comes from humility. 
because it is in your nature to be humble. When you're not punishing yourself and forcing yourself to go, 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 you're really good at being humble. And when you do that, that's where you find your peace and your grace. And the more peace and grace you have inside of yourself, the more your child will have it. Your child does not need to be anything other than who she is. Because of your own trauma patterns, because of the trauma in your maternal line, you chose her dad. When you say he's emotionally abusive, and I look at your chart and I look at your daughter's chart, I believe you. And I am sorry, but it is part of your family line stuff, which means it's something for you to heal, to choose, to choose life instead of out of fear choosing partnership or choosing relationship. That is some of your deepest work to do in this lifetime. And that is modeling healthy emotional boundaries. That's all you can do for your daughter and for yourself. Understand that when you do for yourself, you are doing for your daughter. When you do for yourself, when you heal yourself, you are healing your daughter's ancestral trauma. You're healing your daughter's inherited issues. So don't imagine that taking care of her needs to come before taking care of you. These two things are intricately interwoven. And if she says to you, I don't want to be around my dad. I don't feel safe with my dad. You're going to have to listen to her. You're going to have to honor that and support that, okay? And I do think it's going to be really important that you find ways of asking her questions as she grows up and listening to the answers without bringing forward your own emotions or expectations or your panic to help her. That's going to be really important for you. So you're going to need a little bit of a game face so that you can take care of her in this way because I see that your desire to help her is so strong that it may get you to act in ways that your daughter then feels she needs to protect you. And you want to make sure that you're really clear with her that you're the parent and that your job is to protect her, not the other way around. Within all of this, within all of this, I got to say, your daughter's chart right now indicates that you are coming through a difficult period of fighting with her dad and that you are finding ways of communicating and that it's really hard for you. So I really like it that you asked this question. I really think it's wonderful that you asked this question. Looking at your chart, girl, you could have asked me a lot of other questions about you and your life because things are all over the map and it has been a rough period for you. You are really struggling with your relationship to anger and willfulness and how much space you can and should take up in your own life. So let me tell you that in 2019 and 20, you want to continue to engage with these themes of how you take up space in your life and how you caretake yourself in your own life. I cannot stress enough how important this is. This is not an easy time for you. And it's okay that it's not an easy time for you. You just want to be honest in an appropriate way with your child around it. Mom's struggling with this. Mom is struggling with this and it's okay. I'm doing the work, but sometimes I'm in a bad mood because I'm struggling with it. Or sometimes I get sleepy because I'm struggling with it. How do you feel when you struggle with something? You know, just make it into a learning opportunity instead of something she needs to take care of or something you're pretending isn't happening because both of those things will be more upsetting to her. Now, finally, if it's possible, if it's realistic, my advice to you is for you and your daughter to do some sort of physical activity together routinely. I'm talking about, I don't know, freeze frame dance party, to shake out the wiggles, maybe to take long walks, maybe to take like a parent-child martial arts class, learn some sort of combat, 
do archery. I don't know what's realistic where you live, but I want to encourage you to find ways of shaking it off, not calming down, but activating through the body so that you have ways of expressing anger, frustration, fear through the body and not just through talking or trying to like tamp down because the 12th house stuff tends to try to hide things. You want to express and release, express and release. And this is something you need just as much as your daughter does. So if you could do it together, it could be really powerful for both of you, really healing. So my dear, I hope this addresses enough of your question because when it comes to the welfare of a child, I want to, you know, as much as possible, address as many parts as possible. And I, I really hope that you're patient with this process. I want to encourage you to be really careful when you're reading about the birth chart of your child, because there's a way that you can read information that terrifies you and then makes parenting harder, right? So if you're really nervous about something, whether it's the welfare of your child, your own safety, something medical, be really careful that you find reliable resources. A good way of doing that is by investigating, you know, if we're looking at astrology, investigating things that aren't scary to you, seeing if they feel right by the particular astrologer or writer that you're reading. And if they feel like a good match, if their values seem in alignment with yours, if it seems accurate to you, then you can look up the more scary, intense, real shit. But do a little bit of due diligence instead of just consuming content and then freaking yourself out because there's so much content out there and it, it might not all be right for you. My loves, thank you for once again listening to this week's Q&A of Ghost of a Podcast. It's the Horoscope Corner time. Let's talk astrology. We're looking at the week of March 24th through the 30th. Spring has sprung out here, out here in the hemisphere in which I live. With it has come a really meaningful shift of energy. And I think, you know, that whenever we have a changing of seasons, there is a shift in energy and it's worth paying attention to. It's worth honoring. And, you know, that sounds, that sounds so, so damn hippie of me. I mean, I guess that's in keeping with the fact that I'm a damn hippie. But also, it is really important to remember whether you live in a city or not, whether you ever have any contact with nature or not that we are part of this larger organism on earth and that we are a part of its cycles. And the cycles that happen in the sky above us, in the atmosphere around us, in the ground below us, they're all interwoven with our DNA, with our bodies, with our spirits. And being able to just take a minute to look at, this is a changing of seasons. This is a call for me to remember that I am a growing being and I too am changing. How am I changing? Am I changing in ways that I want to be changing? Am I taking actions that are compatible with my goals? If not, can I forgive myself or can I motivate myself? Sometimes you can only do one or the other. Sometimes you can do both. Sometimes you can do neither. But it's good to track it because if we bring awareness to what we are and aren't doing, then we can kind of act from that place of awareness. When we are not self-aware, when we're not checked in with our actions and our intentions, is when we tend to make mistakes that are demoralizing. It's when we tend to lose track of our own development and then feel funky about it. So pay attention. We're having a real changing of the guards this week as on the 26th, Venus moves into the sign of Pisces. 
And on the 30th, Mars moves into the sign of Gemini. And on the 28th, Mercury is direct. So we will have a few days of Mercury being in its shadow period where we don't get the full benefit of it moving direct. However, my friends, I've not enjoyed this Mercury retrograde. I know I've talked about it on the podcast before. It has been soupy. There have been problems. I do not love Mercury retrograde problems. That said, it's also been a really insightful and transformative Mercury retrograde if you've been doing the introspective work that it's called on you to do. In the final days of this Mercury retrograde, if you have not yet done any of the homework I've given <laughs> or you know, used any of the journaling prompts that I've recommended around Mercury retrograde, go listen to this past couple episodes of Ghost of a Podcast, go to my website and check out my last few horoscopes and do the work. With every, with every transit, with every transition, we have an opportunity and you have to seize that opportunity. Otherwise, you know, it's just like a thing that happens to you or at you or around you. So my advice to you is seize the opportunity to do reflective, introspective work at this time, to not get so caught up on the details and what they mean for your future that you don't sit with who you are and where you are and reflect on your past and how it brought you here, what you did, what you didn't do, all that kind of good stuff. As Mercury goes direct, we can expect plans to get more streamlined and easier to make. We can expect the problems that came up during Mercury retrograde. Some of them will catch up with you. Others of them will just kind of fade away. And in some ways, for me, most excitingly, technology goes back to its regular breaking and working schedules instead of its extra breaking schedules. With Venus moving into Pisces, it's just more tender. It's just more tender. And it's a little bit more of a time where we can, again, check in with how we care about others and ourselves, how we care about the physical things, the material things that we invite into our lives. This is a really good time to expand your vision of beauty, both in terms of your relationship to your body and your relationship to beauty as a concept, beauty as a spiritual concept. Venus and Pisces is really expansive and very good for encouraging and cultivating empathy, which you know this jerk is a big fan of, that's me, big fan of empathy. So this is a great time for doing that. With Mars moving into Gemini, it can be a bit of a distracting energy. The thing I, I would say on the positive about this that I really like about Mars and Gemini time is that you can get a lot of different things done. You really can get a lot of different things done. You can make connections and understand things on a minute to minute level. The risk is that you get distracted and you start things and don't finish them. So pay attention to that. Make sure that if you're making promises or setting plans that you don't overextend yourself by not thinking through all the steps, especially if those plans were started during this past Mercury retrograde, aka the month of March 2019. On the 24th, we have Mercury still retrograde sitting on top of Neptune in the sign of Pisces. This transit is really uncomfortable in my view, and it's going to reoccur at the start of April again. So really pay attention to this one. Mercury conjunct Neptune, it sparks anxiety and it sparks confusion and potentially ambiguity or uncertainties, right? This transit, it makes you kind of not clear about what's real and what's not real, what's true and what's not true. When we have anxiety, we often are having a hard time figuring out what's real, what's not real, what to focus on, what not to focus on. And it just makes us feel all over the place. 
Now, the positive potential is it allows us to see things from a much broader perspective. This transit can be a time where you stop focusing completely on the material concerns that you have and start looking more at, well, what, what is the impact of my attitudes, my choices, my friendships to my soul? Am I asking for forgiveness while not offering it? Am I able to look at the world around me with kinder eyes, not to ignore what is real and problematic, but instead to bring heart to what I see? The thing about Neptune, especially Neptune conjunct Mercury, is if you're looking for excuses, my friends, you will find them. If you're looking for a victim story to attach to that empowers you to not try harder, do better, you'll find it. And you want to make sure that you're being mindful of that because feeling bad does not entitle you to treat others poorly or to abandon your relationship to yourself or your responsibilities. And that doesn't mean you don't need a break. It doesn't mean that you don't deserve a break, but it does mean if you're going to take a break from a responsibility that you've committed to, it's on you to be like, hey, person or thing I've committed to, I need to tap out for a minute. And this is what what I'm doing. And you can say why or not, right? It's important to take responsibility for not just how you feel, but how your behavior or lack of behavior directly impacts others. And you don't need to defend or write a whole novel about, you know, your perspective and your needs and all that kind of thing. But it is on you to inform others of where you stand and what they can reasonably expect of you. The thing about this particular transit, and and I want to be really clear about this, is that it can bring up feelings of helplessness or hopelessness. If that is the case, I want to really encourage you to, as much as possible, look for ways that you are connected to others or to nature or to God or whatever it is that you resonate with. Understand the interconnectedness of you to all other things, because this can be a time where you deepen your spiritual understanding. And I don't mean analytic understanding. I just mean like things may click really organically into place, but it requires that you receive instead of seek, that you sit with and reflect instead of analyze and figure out. There are other transits and other moments for the analyzing and figuring out and going forth and getting. This is not one of them. So around the 24th, a couple days before and after, my advice to you, my friends, is to really work on being receptive. Analyze it later, receive it now. Finally, on the 27th, we have a really lovely transit of Venus forming a sextile to Uranus. And Venus sextile Uranus, it's just fun. It's fun. If you were like trying to mess with your look or go shopping, it's a great time to do it. First dates, yes, please. Um, Going out and meeting new friends, excellent use of this energy. This is not a transit that is promising you anything permanent. This is a transit that is likely to bring a dynamic energy to the way you connect to others, the concept of beauty, your possessions, and your values in general. That's kind of cool. I don't know. It's kind of fun, right? So put yourself out there. And if you don't want to put yourself out there, just have fun with yourself, (laughs) you know, hang out with yourself, enjoy yourself. If you've been trying to go shopping and you've been having a really hard time, 27th, my friends, go shopping. If you've been trying to really just figure out, you know, how to marry condo your life and like throw away the things that don't spark joy, this is actually a great transit to do that, to really be clear about what sparks joy and what doesn't spark joy. Look at your possessions. Are they improving your life? If they're not, I don't know why you need them. Look at your relationships. 
invest in them. Bring joy to others if you can. And that might be as simple as text an emoji to people that you know you, you care for, but maybe you're too busy to connect with or things have been messy lately with this Mercury retrograde. Around this date, strive to be the change you want to see in your life. Strive to be the love and the kindness and the empathy you wish you saw more in others. If all of us sit back on the ways in which we've been hurt and harmed, and we use that as evidence of, well, other people suck, so there's no point in me trying to be better than them. If we all do that, we, my friends, are screwed. You just need to do you. Be the best version of you that you can be in this moment. Keep on doing the work. Show up in your life in ways that honor your values and who and how you want to be. Don't let the messiest or the most upsetting person in your life or your history define who you are and how you act. You define you and do it one little step at a time. My friends and my loves, thank you for joining me on another week of Ghost of a Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, I really appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it, star it and leave me a review. It is really helpful if you want to become a supporter of the podcast, you can do so on Patreon. Keep on coming back, my friends. I really love it. If you have questions for my podcast, I would love it if you would send them to me. You can just go to my website at lovelaniato.com and find the ghost of a podcast page. I love your questions, so keep on keep on sending them to me. If you have an iOS device and you haven't yet downloaded my free app called Tiny Spark, then I don't know, you're sleeping on the damn job. Use Tiny Spark to access your own intuition. And in fact, that Mercury conjunction to Neptune is a great day to use the tool, not obsess on the tool, but use the tool as a way to resource your intuition. Try it. I'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye. Every year they say the end is near.